Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside. And please watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind with your host, Tim Nidell, and welcome to November, a month that I'm actually calling Jim Henson Month. So I've said it before, but I'll say it again for any new listener. There's three people that I look up to, three people that I admire. The first one was my father, who actually passed away almost five years ago. He's actually the reason why I started doing this podcast, because I loved my childhood so much. He gave me so much to love. And so I just wanted to reach out to people who were involved in the cartoons that I loved as a kid. And that's why I started doing the show. The second person I admire is an easy one. It's Walt Disney. There's no really explanation needed there because he is amazing. Third one is, of course, Jim Henson. A man that I would think, I think I would call him the Walt Disney of my generation. So I wanted to reach out to people who knew Jim Henson. People who might have some amazing stories to tell you guys. Some stories that you may not even know. I know I learned a lot of things, and I know a lot about Jim Henson. So today's interview is going to be with somebody we had on earlier this year. A puppeteer and a a voice actor. It's the one and only Carol Spinney. The voice of and puppeteer of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. He's actually been doing it since 1969. And uh, the man is 82 years old now, and he's still rocking. He's still amazing. And I must say, one of my favorite guests of all time. The man is so sweet, so humble. I love that about him. You know what? I think I need to add him to my list. I think I have four people that I admire, that I look up to now. And uh, Carol Spinney is the fourth one because I love him so much. So in this interview, we talk a lot about Jim Hansen, of course. We talk a little bit more about Sesame Street, some stuff we didn't cover last time he was on. We talk a lot about his uh, Jim Henson's memorial service, where Carol Spinney actually had to come out in Big Bird costume and sing It's Not Easy Being Green in front of thousands of people. And uh, that song is very sentimental to the Henson family because it's actually a song that Jim Henson used to sing as Kermit the Frog. So here's just a quick audio of Carol Spinney singing that song at the memorial service. It's not that easy being green Having to spend the day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that It's not easy being green 
It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over Cause you're not standing out like flashy sparkles on the water Or stars in the sky But green is the color of spring And green can be cool and friendly like and green can be big like a mountain Or tall as a tree Or big as a sea When green is all there is to be It could make you wonder why But why wonder, why wonder I am green and it'll do fine It's beautiful and I think it's what I want to be. Thank you, Kermit. But that's not going to be it. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be releasing another special interview that I did honoring Jim Henson. And this one is with his own daughter, Lisa Henson, who is actually the current CEO of the Henson Company. So she said she would love to come on, talk about her dad. And that's another episode that I cannot wait to put out there. Of course, make sure to check us out online, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Remember those positive iTunes and Stitcher radio reviews. Those really help out a lot. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Check out our Patreon campaign, which is a monthly donation service, if you want to help us out financially. And of course, the biggest way to help out is by telling friends and family about us. How else would anybody else find us? So go tell somebody about the show. That's probably the number one way to really help us out is by spreading the word. But anyways, I don't want to hold you guys much longer. Here is my interview with Carol Spinney. I wanted to do a very special episode dedicated to the one and only Jim Henson. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to, to me about Jim. It's his 80th. 80th birthday. I know, I know. I mean, it's kind of sad to think that he could still be with us today, you know? Yeah, he should have been. When I was making the uh, a special with him up in, uh, the puppets up in Toronto, he said, how long do you want to do this job? I said, all my rest of my life. And he said, that's great, because I want to, too. He said, it'll want to be great when we're both 72, around 72. <laughs> Actually, I'm two years older than him. Uh, he, he said... Uh, wouldn't that be great? And I said, yeah. He said, I hope I live a long time. Oh, wow. We sure miss him. Yeah, no, you and me both. Um, tell me about the very first time you actually knew of Jim Henson, the first time you saw him on TV. I was, it was 1960, and it was uh, one of the coffee ads. It was for, it, from a Boston station, so it wasn't the Wilkins. It was a remake using uh, a local coffee company up in Boston. It was like the little Kermit-ish kind of two puppets, one of them heavy set and the other one skinnier. He had a little toy cannon, and it was aimed at the fat, heavier one. It says, do you drink Wilkins coffee? And the other one says, no. And he fires the cannon, boom, and blows him right off the stage. <laughs> and he, he turns the cannon, aims at us, and he says, how about you? Do you drink Wilkins coffee? What a threat, you know. I, I fell out of the off the chair. Now that's <laughs> tough. 
That's the ultimate puppets I've ever seen. It was an eight-second commercial. And that made a huge impression what, on you, didn't it? why they don't make it stunning eight-second commercials anymore. I know. Nowadays, they seem like to be like a, like three minutes long, and they have nothing to do with what they're selling. It, it, it doesn't make me want to buy anything, honestly. I know. Some of them, I say, do they think that's going to sell? Yeah. It makes me boycott it, honestly. Yeah. I think it's true. I can't understand. Like the ones with uh, Johnny Depp, where he goes out and shovels. <laughs> Stand right over his head with the wind blowing. Yeah. They, they probably had to stop taping and try to brush the sand out of his hair. Yep. Because all the sand came down on his head. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, uh, it was for sauvage, but everybody calls it sausage. It looks more like sausage. It does. And what about the very first time you actually met Jim? What was that experience like for you, and what happened? Well, it was at a, a puppet festival in, in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. It was just a local one in 1962. And um, he, so I did my, um, I had a, a bird called Goggle, and he uh, he was very wise, and I ended up choking him. <laughs> and he loved physical um, roughness with puppets. At least he said he did. And uh, I, I know one time I had my my own puppet, uh, Pickle Puss, choke Kermit to death wow. <laughs> on stage. Wow. He, thought was so, he was laughing. We were in, in the, it was a puppet festival in uh, St. No, Louis. And uh, he, he said, I said, can I, can I, do you mind if, if uh, my cat, uh, uh, attacks your your puppet. And he says, "Oh, go do good, good. Please do that." <laughs> <laughs> so I did, and he laughed, laughed. Nice. That's when I met uh, Ustinov. No, not not Peter Ustinov. I, I met him. He was wonderful. No, there was uh, Obratsov. Okay. Russia. Okay. Yeah. I was introduced to him, and I put my hand out to shake hands, and he just stooped. He took a step back to avoid. Shaking hands. <laughs> I thought, you... Uh, I, I, I became <laughs> friends with uh, Albrecht Roser, the German marionettist. And he said, I hate Obratsov. He said, that dirty old communist. <laughs> 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 Actually, Obratsov shows. One, one uh, night, it, uh, I lived in a cabin then. I had a television. And uh, there was a... Uh, uh, show on oh I know it was, it was the uh, puppet in the, the theater that's uh, uh, I'm stumbling on words um, he was anyway. yes it is the, the theater that <laughs> is uh, where Michael uh, no, Stephen Colbert okay Ed Sullivan Theater Ed Sullivan show that day, day was all us Obratsov, and uh, it was some of the most fabulous puppetry. They were all run from underneath their hand and rod puppets. Because that, uh, later on, I got to meet him, and I was a little disappointed. He was very uh, aloof. Oh, no. Yeah. So, back back to Jim. He was, uh, <laughs> of course, I, I spent a couple of birthdays with him. I said, hey, today's your birthday. And uh, so he says, oh, yeah, I forgot. I take it very seriously. 
he he's not a sentimental guy. But you were telling about 1962. He actually asked you to come work for him. You didn't get to that part yet. Oh, yeah. He said, uh, what do you do now? I said, well, I work on television in Boston. He says, would you like to work with the Muppets? No, he said, why don't you come to New York and talk about the Muppets? Well, I thought he just meant talk, talk and shop. Yeah. Well, the pay was so poor that I got at the time that I, I couldn't afford to drive, take a day off and drive down to New York. And I didn't realize he was offering me a job. Six ninety sixty two, but it might not have worked out looking at time because he wasn't very busy then. Yeah, you never know. That could have been a blessing in disguise that it didn't happen until sixty nine. Yeah, so in sixty nine I met him again after I was. You probably seen the thing. I have. I, I did my own show, and it all went wrong. I thought I was a total failure till I heard him say, "I liked what you were trying to do." I turned around as Jim Henson, and. Uh, <laughs> And then he said, I'd like to come to New York and talk about the Muppets. I said, <laughs> deja vu. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, I said, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was an offer for a job. Yeah. He said, I don't remember meeting you before. Well, it was many years before. So do you think that if your set went as planned, do you think you would be doing what you're doing now? Do you think Jim would have liked what you did instead of like what you were trying to do? Uh no, what I was doing was kind of my own creation. It was a very elaborate theater. I'm trying to mix mix uh, animation and puppets in all of, so they all in one fell swoop. Some of the puppets were on screen, rear screen. I built a theater so you could reject on it from behind. And uh, the theater, of course, it all burned up right after after I left there. Uh, the car caught a fire. Yeah, yeah. You told me last time we talked about that. That's that's yeah. horrible. So he was he was. Uh, I think I think it just had to be. Also, his, his idea of Big Bird was that he was going to be a goofy guy. Okay. Really crazy and loopy, and I don't think that that would have gotten him very far on Sesame Street. No. So one day a script came along and it made me think Big Bird should really be a little kid. Who happens to be eight feet two? You know, because mm-hmm. some people grow too big. I was the smallest boy in the school, <laughs> so I had the opposite problem. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, I when I when I said he uh, he should be a kid, the I, I then asked, I spoke aloud to the producers. I said I don't think we should change it all in one day, but I'll I'll take a couple weeks to get his voice lighter lighter. And then they'll start treating him like a kid. And people won't even remember that he was just a goofy guy. Because mm-hmm. Jim said, I've always wanted to make a goofy, crazy, silly bird. And, uh, well, it was only about two or three months later when I did all the work. Generally, he, he got so busy, he couldn't come every week and work on Thursdays. He Thursdays used to be Muppet Day. And he'd work all day with, with Frank and, and I. And me, and at a point, some point late in that year um, of saping, Fran Brill came and joined us. Jerry Nelson, no, he didn't join until the second year. But but Frank was first. Fran was before Jerry? Oh, yeah. But Jerry had already uh, worked on, they made the The special, the Frog Frog Prince, and Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry worked on that one. And uh, that was the first that Jerry had ever done hand puppet because he'd always done marionettes with uh, 
Bill Baird. Tell me some of your favorite gym memories. Do you have any stories that really stick out? Well, uh, one time he was, we were doing puppets with an elaborate song. Ernie was in it to start with, so Jim had to toss him off, and he was on the floor where, he, where we all walked, and it wasn't that clean. And uh, so he was doing some other puppets. Tony, which was a character he used to play, a little guy who was, had a little uh, mustache. He ran a little Italian restaurant. Mm. That was a puppet that Jim ran. And uh, so after the, after we finished that scene, I, I went over and I picked up Ernie and I dusted him off. And I said, oh, poor Ernie, did that nasty man kick you in the dirt? Because he kicked him with his foot to get it out of the way. Wow. And uh, Jim said, oh, are you sentimental about the puppets? Well, I'm sentimental about anything. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he, he said, I'm not sentimental at all. And he, he went on to prove it several times. But uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a bad thing, because he, he certainly loved his children. He was very sentimental about that, I think. And uh, he was very uh, awfully nice to work with. Yeah, I, I hear that he even gave some of his early puppets to his kids to play with, and it, they just tore them up because they were young kids. So he just wasn't yeah, sentimental one, at all. One time, yeah, and they went to a, a, a wonderful little school, which is why he moved to the town that he did. And uh, he wrote a, a show that he and his uh, his own children could be in. And uh, he did this, he uh, did it at uh, the kids' school. It was a private school, and uh, he labeled it just a puppet show. Didn't say the Muppets, mm-hmm. or it would have been crammed. And so it just, uh, people didn't know what to expect. It was just a puppet show. Imagine what they when they saw Jim Hansen come out okay. and announce, this is him him and his children wow. will be doing a show. And <laughs> they were all tots, because when I first got to know their children, Brian and uh, John, little John Paul was known as John Paul then, and he, uh, I, 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 was, I stayed for a week in their house, which was kind of funny. He was nice to offer me that because I had no place to stay. And actually the pay was so poor, I couldn't afford a, a, an apartment. So uh, it was really rough time. It was like being a student, except I wasn't a student. In a way, I was kind of on trial. I remember one time I was going to leave. I was leaving the, the thing. I, I, my work for the day was done. and It was about midday, so I could go back to where we were staying. And... Uh, Jim was coming in as I was going out, and he, he so we're suddenly face to face. He says, "Ah, Muppets West, how are you?" <laughs> you know? Nice. And well, we were, we taped on the west side. Yeah. Muppets were on the east side. That was very flattering that he called me Muppets West that I represented the Muppets. Yeah, it's true. I know you and your your lovely wife record a lot of home videos. Do you have a lot of home videos with Jim in them? Yeah, quite a few. We particularly when we went to uh, uh, Toronto and we they did the Christmas special, the Muppet Family Christmas. Yes, I remember that one. One of the best specials they ever did. It is, and it was so much fun to work on. And they, he had Debbie doing puppets, and uh, and he, a pizza guy delivered some pizza. They say, "Hey, can you stay a few minutes? I want to hand you a puppet. I would like you to do in this big scene." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but the pizza guy was actually <laughs> running a puppet. He just—it was just a group of puppets. He just had to hold it in a certain place and uh, try to try to lip sync the song they were doing, a Christmas song. It was so funny. Jim was so so like that. 
and uh, so Jim is in our movie uh, I Am Big Bird. There's some good pieces from that film, and we had, we gave it we turned the tape over to uh, Craig, of, who does the archives, because they didn't tape any of these shows, you know, like the making of it. Mm-hmm. So it's something they value, and uh, I, I wish he, he says now. Craig said, I wish they'd done a lot more of this. And Debbie did it on her own. We had to rent a, a camera. Wow. We forgot to bring ours. We got to be great friends. He would call Deb up and I, and, I, and he'd say, I've, I've been working too much lately, which would be a, a, quite a statement from him because he he said, I'd much rather work than have a vacation. Mm-hmm. He hadn't had a vacation in three years at that point. And uh, so, but he he said... I want to go see the movie Princess Bride. Will you want to, will you go with me? So he picked us up in his Lotus, and we drove through. Uh, let's see, I, I know one time we rode with his Lotus through London. It was wild. This one though was he had rented a, a Toyota sports car. You don't see very often, and uh, he would just like London. He went sixty miles an hour in the city. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he was he was so great, so he enjoyed that movie. And then we went out to eat. Once in a while, we we would do things with him, and it would just be the three of us. It was it was just when when I got that phone call, hello, I picked it up at quarter seven one morning, and this is Ann Kenny, Jim's private secretary. Well, I have to tell you a sad thing. Last night at one thirty, he died. I said what? Oh my God! Who would ever think this vibrant man would be dead at 53? You know. And they said, "Yes, he died uh, suddenly. He got the flu on Thursday. Actually, it was a uh, a strep throat that got into his lungs." Yeah. What? When was the last time you saw Jim in person? Uh, it was about a month or so before. We were at uh, Big Bird had been awarded the most popular. Uh, a People's Choice is the most favorite uh, children's character in television that year. And I remember I shared a dressing room right next to uh, Frank Sinatra. So there was a really star-studded thing. And so I, uh, I we sat with Jim Henson because Jim got nominated too. That was the last time. And at that time he was trying to uh, um, sell Muppets to Disney. So, yeah, the world definitely missed out on a lot of amazing opportunities since he passed. Um, what, yeah. what do you think his greatest achievement was? Um, I don't know. I guess there's so many wonderful things. I guess I would have to say being uh, the Walt Disney, only a sweeter man, mm-hmm. uh, of, of puppetry. And overall, just, just creating the Muppets and that he built something that just keeps going even without him, because he, he even discussed that with me the first day I was with him in New York City. He said, uh, I, I think we should all learn each other's vo- voices. Well, it turns out they don't work out that way, because, like, Brock Oz's voice, you know, is <laughs> yes. not the same as any of ours. <laughs> and uh, actually, you put an awful of yourself into the puppet. And uh, so, but he, he said, I want to see, you know, some of us are going to come and go, or by dying, or whatever. And uh, so I want the characters to live on if they get to be popular. Otherwise, we just try new ones. So uh, 
one thing he did say, he said, well, I want to make leave the world a better place than, it was, than the world was when I got here. And I think he certainly did. It definitely. I completely agree with that. I know, I know my childhood would not be the same without Jim Hansen. Yes. And one, one time uh, I, I, I had a, a wonderful thing happen last year. Uh, I was signing autographs with somebody, and the young man said, Big Bird and the... Uh, story about Mr. Hooper's dying. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, my, a week before that was on the air, my father died. I was seven years old. He said, I was absolutely devastated. I had a doting father. We were like best pals. And all, all of a sudden he was gone. I didn't know how I was going to live and make it through. And then the, a week later, it was would have been Thanksgiving 1985. That show came on. And he saw how Big Bird didn't know what death was. And then he uh, uh, found out, you know, they explained it so sweet and nice, written by Norman Stiles, who was our head writer at the time. And I hadn't hadn't seen that kind of writing from Norman, so I hadn't expected it to be so good. It's a most wonderful writing. He said, my life changed after that Hmm. because I I really uh, realized I could live. Now he understood that you know, we'd remember his father, and just like we'd remember Mr. Hooper and how he told stories, and and remember all the story things he he did for uh, Big Bird, and so uh, that I had another story at a place where I was signing my one book, which was uh, the Wisdom of Big Bird, and uh, this tall, quiet-looking woman, who was probably about fifty years old, uh, she said. I want to have a little story. Do you have time to listen to it? It's, I'll keep it short. It's about how big, how Oscar changed my life for for good. I said, oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. How in the world could Oscar do anything positive? <laughs> yeah. So uh, she said, yes. She was she, When she was a, a girl, she was brought up by four strong grown-ups in the house. And they decide, had decided she was their, their little toy. And she, she, she was going to be everything they wanted her to be. Well, she didn't know that she had a choice in that matter. So they had the school planned out what she'd be and all that stuff. And so uh, one day, she was not. She never saw any television, any show, even though the, at night when she was had to be in bed, and there was very strict order. Do you stay in bed? Uh, they would watch some television specials and stuff. So. Uh, one day when she was 12, she found herself alone in the house. First thing she did was to go to the television set and turn it on. She'd never seen, sat and seen it, hmm. anything on television before. She happened to hit Sesame Street, flipping the dial around, click, click, click. You know that? Remember that clacky little I thing? I do. Yep. And uh, so uh, in it, she comes across the scene, and Oscar is saying no to a grown-up because he wasn't going to do it. And he says, she said, I didn't know, she didn't see his Oscar as a grown-up, as a little puppet. And uh, so she said, I didn't know that you could say no to an adult. And she instantly, that moment, resolved that she would say no when she didn't agree what they were going to have her do. So when they came home, the next day they met a very different uh, girl. And... Uh, she said, "It changed my life. I became, hmm. I became me, a very resolved person, 
and I didn't go to the schools they planned. Wow. And, and they soon respected me for this being me. Wow. I thought it was great. I said, "That's thank you for telling me that story. It's a great story because I, I never knew why Oscar was on the show. <laughs> I say, I mean, he's actually rude, and uh, I don't. I always try to make him not mean. Uh, one time we had a we did a show with uh, Brian Meal was a very funny puppeteer, and he was doing telly at that time. And telly wanted to be in the Crouch Cateers Club, like Big Bird has the Bird Cateers. Yeah. He he said, "Well, you you can't because you're not a grouch." And uh, you know, it's only the kids are, are very grouchy in my club, and you have to be grouchy. And he says, "Oh dear, Oscar, I can't, what can I do?" And he says, "Well, you got if you do these things, I tell you, today you can be grouch for a day." So he he uh, he does does the chores, and he says, uh, "Oscar, can I be uh, okay? I did all the things you asked for, and uh, can I can I be a grouchateer?" And he said, "Well, no." He said, but Oscar, you promised. And uh, he's supposed to say, no, uh, well, it's the end of the day. You don't, It's too late. You can't be a grouch. <laughs> the day is over. Oh, Oscar. That's what he usually do. Mm-hmm. But instead, Brian had him go, Oscar, you promised I'd be. And he, sat, he burst into tears like a little boy. Because Telly was supposed to be a five or six-year-old. Not okay. that I... I always felt he's pretty much a, an old guy, at least an old guy for 37 years old. Yeah, yeah. That's what it seemed like. So uh, I said, they said, that's a bye, that's a wrap, goodbye, everybody. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's not supposed to cry. That's that's making Oscar really mean. And I don't, I don't see Oscar as mean. He's grouchy, but not mean. And uh, so I went and I argued with the producer. They said, That's a, we thought it was funny. I said, it's not funny. Oscar, he's crying like a little crying boy. And I, I think that you, and Oscar is laughing. And Because I, I said to Brian, I, Brian, we got to do it over again, only don't have him cry. And they, I lost the argument. And uh, the producers said, no, that's a bye. We're gonna, not going to do it again. I said, you're going to be sorry. Indeed, one of the producers came to me a few months later. That episode that you wanted to redo the scene, because because uh, Telly cried and made Oscar look like he was really mean. Uh, she says, "Boy, did we get letters?" <laughs> I didn't know that, that Oscar was mean. I could stand his his uh, grouchiness, but meanness, like making making that uh, boy puppet cry and act like heartbroken. So. She said, I'm so sorry we did it, because those letters were very earnest, huh. and so were you. And I apologize that we didn't do it again. <laughs> and so I, I, I was pleased that she said that. She was a good, very good producer. I loved her. Tell me about the Jim's mor- memorial service when you came out as Big Bird. What, what sort of emotions were you going through inside that costume? Well, uh, Brian, Mill had called, no, Brian Henson had called me. Uh, about singing that song, which was Jim's song, mm-hmm. uh, he became. It became. It's not that easy being green. It became pretty much the uh, special song of of Kermit. And so he said, "Would you uh, 
be willing to sing that as a big bird for me. And because I, I, we were so, every time I just thought that Jim is dead, oh my God, that burst into tears. I, was, I had done a lot of crying. And I think it was, was only a week or two, a couple of weeks after he died. Five days. Five days after mm-hmm. he had died. So I'm, uh, I'm out there singing Kermit's song. It's not that easy being green, being the color of the leaves. And uh, I, I, I even made a mistake in one of the lines, and uh, I, 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 I realized it. And I, I, you can't start again. This is a very tender moment in the funeral, so I, uh, I, 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 I changed the lyric a little bit. But yet it still rhymes, so I was pretty pleased. <laughs> and when I walked back out, I got out of the bird and walked back to sit with the rest of the Muppets and Jane Henson, his widow. Uh, I, she, Jane looks at me and she says, good save. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even notice, honestly. I'm just so caught up in that moment when I watch it, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's not a terrible mistake, but it... Most people never be caught it. Yeah. And how did you not lose it while singing? I, I get emotional just watching it. How did you not just break down? I do it now when I watch the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I uh, often cry when I see that. Well, I, 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 I remember being asked at the time, how did I get through that? I said, well, it's more important that I not mess up Jim's song. And so I was so concentrating on that, although I did, did know the feelings of the song because it was, Jim put himself into that song so well. I made it through, but I did a lot of crying later on. I bet, yeah. Let's say that wherever Jim's at right now, he can hear us, which I'm hoping he can. What would you want to say to him? I'd say, well, thanks for letting me get be part of it. And you sure started something that, that uh, changed. It isn't, uh, unlike other fun things, like some Disney movies may have, uh, some items or ideas in some movies have changed people, I think, because it happens to ring bells for how, what their life is like. So, but somehow, I think the characters got to be, uh, and particularly Big Bird, I, it gave me the opportunity to uh, be a sensitive child who worked hard to try to make everybody like him and be happy. So uh, I think that... Uh, that the, 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 we, our legacy is that, um, and I think I, I feel really good about it because I was Jim. Uh, ever he never watched a regular daytime show, and so he hadn't realized at all until quite a few a couple of years later. Uh, a few, as a matter of fact, more than ten years later, before he knew that Big Bird had changed and been a, a sensitive kid, hmm. just a loopy guy. She thought he was still. Uh, Goofy. Yeah, that's interesting. So while he put me in a special, and he'd still have Big Bird be the goofy guy. I said, you know, this is, I've changed him. You know? <laughs> Did you change him? What do you mean? And I said, well, have you seen lately? No, I never watch. I'm too busy. He says, well, I think he's, it's, the change has worked. She says, he's not, uh, he's not goofy and silly anymore. Really? You know, it, it was kind of fun telling him, because he didn't get angry. But he was, it was sort of like being informed of what's happened. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I just want to thank you personally, Carol, because you bring me and my daughter together almost all the time because she's four right now, and uh, her favorite character is Big Bird. Oh, really? Good. And 
she calls me Big Bird, and I call her Little Bird, and she loves it. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah. I call my wife Deb Little Bird sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> a lot, she says. And uh, so his little girl is four, and he calls her Little Bird. She says, she calls him Big Bird. Oh, that's great. And she calls my wife um, Big Little Bird. <laughs> Big Little Bird. Yeah. <laughs> that's his wife. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, Carol, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Um, huge fan of your work. And uh, Jim may not have been perfect, but I definitely look up to him and admire what he gave us. Yes, well, thank you. I, I really think he really was incredible. And he let it, He gave us room to move and work within our characters. So I think that he, he uh, we, for instance, if uh, somebody had written a really good script and we're working on it, if I if I felt the Big Bird wouldn't use that term or something, I would just be free to change it. And so we did a lot of uh, ad-libbing of of different words, but telling the same story. Worked out well. Yes. Yes, it did. Can I have you close out the episode as a Big Bird or Oscar? Oh, surely. And I do apologize for having some senior moments. Nope. After all, I was 35 when I got the job, and now I'm 82. <laughs> so I, I have a good excuse. <laughs> You're still young. You're but, still uh, young. Okay, so um, I, I really th- enjoyed talking with you, Tim. It's me, Big Bird. I've been standing right here. I heard the whole thing. So you can't deny it, Carol. Um, I, I wasn't going to deny it. Well, so don't try. I wasn't going to. You, you're not going to try now, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, go ahead and try. I'll stop you. No, I'm not going to try. Okay, if that's the way you want to be. Well, big Bird. Yeah, hey, I didn't get a chance to say anything. Hey, you big turkey. Hey, I don't like that. I'm not a turkey. Yeah, I got a funny joke about two flies. No, you don't tell that one, Oscar. That's not that's not suitable for children or or, or big birds. Okay, so I won't tell it. It's an adult joke, but I really think it's funny. You sure you don't want to hear it? I don't want to hear it. Okay. Well, thanks, Tim. Thank you guys so much. And, and Carol, bless you for everything you've done and given me a happy childhood. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. That, that, that could be, that's one of the greatest rewards I've had from the thing is to, to leave having, and one of these days I'll have to leave, I suppose. I hope those one of these days isn't for years yet. Yes. My father lived to be almost 91, so I'm not ready to go. Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.